0: Before we begin, a content warning. This episode contains mentions of racism, slavery, police violence, and misogyny.
1: I remember, you know, one story I always tell is I was giving books to a classroom you know, in the south side of Chicago, and it was like a kindergarten classroom. And so I walked in with this box of books, and, you know, I dropped it off to the teacher, and it wasn't like I was supposed to have, like, necessarily any interaction with the kid, but you know, the teacher was like, hey, this is, you know, Derek, Keith brought these books for me on black and lit. And this one kid looks up, and, like, he walks over and, like, gives me a hug. And then everybody in the classroom, like, gives, like, this, like, unawkward look, and then they all come over and give me a hug.
2: That's Derek Ramsey, the founder of Young, Black, and Lit. The Chicago-based organization works to
0: deliver children's
2: books that center Black characters to youth.
0: Being able to see yourself in a book is a really powerful thing, but for a lot of people of color and queer people, that hasn't always been possible. Ramsey and people like him are working to emphasize the voices of marginalized communities in literature.
1: I can see it in their eyes that they know the value of being able to see themselves in those stories. It's just invaluable. It's really why we do the work that we do. It's the constant driver on those long nights to, to know that you know it's bigger than what we're doing and it's bigger than us, and you know, that it's truly gonna have an impact on the community.
0: From the Daily Northwestern, I'm Lily Carey.
2: And I'm Aviva Bechke. This is Defining Safe, a podcast looking at the intersection of identity and student life at Northwestern and in the Evanston area. In this episode, we're taking a look at local bookstores and literacy organizations'
0: efforts to offer books with more diverse representation. Andersonville's Women and Children First is an example of a bookstore that puts marginalized voices front and center. Co owner Sarah Hollenbeck spoke to the importance of centering disabled people in books they offer. We
2: really do our best to always center those books that have non traditional families or that have gender expansive characters or racially diverse families. As a disabled woman, I have a huge passion to expand what we think of as disabled um, representation in literature. Especially in children's books, Sarah said representation of disability is limited. A lot of children's picture books that. Where like about disability only had a wheelchair and like a child in a wheelchair is not the only kind of disability in the world. So the idea of constantly recentering the most underrepresented voices and identities in all of our sections is what drives the whole bookstore. For Aisha Malone, who's opening her own store Bookstores offer an important place to build community.
1: I've read books my entire life. I know why I'm very adventurous. It's because I got lost in characters as a kid. And I think if we can bring that to my community, that we can start from a positive place where we can communicate different over here so the violence can kind of simmer down.
0: Aisha began the process of starting her own bookstore, Rose Cafe, after the murder of George Floyd rocked her community on the south side of Chicago. She wanted to create a place where she could mentor kids and support her community. To Aisha... Stocking books with positive Black representation is key.
1: I think half the time, the reason why kids don't want to read like independently, why they just don't habitually pick up a book is because the book doesn't do nothing for them. But if it's a book that has a beautiful color of a Black girl with barrettes in her hair, sitting on her grandmother's lap or her mother's lap, it's way more intriguing.
2: Aisha isn't the only one who's seen kids excited about representation in their store. Eli Nelson is the general manager at Booked. An Evanston Bookstore focused primarily on kids and young adult books. He said he's excited to see queer teenagers reading books that center queer voices and stories.
3: So there's this great group of middle schoolers from a local middle school who come to our store on Fridays after school and it's this three or four usually. (laughs) We've gotten to know them really well and they are all queer and growing young women and they have shared a lot of excitement about books that are at their reading level that either feature queer characters and the plot is about being queer or that have queer characters tackling something that's not about coming out.
0: He said he's been excited to see queer teenagers seeing themselves reflected in books because he didn't have that experience as a kid.
3: It's also fun because I didn't have that. <laughs> so that wasn't something to know that I should be looking on the lookout for, excited about. Like the biggest thing would be if a character was a girl who dressed up as a boy or something. So that's been really, really fun and something that I can relate to personally.
0: Lots of folks want to read books that reflect their own lives, but fiction can also reimagine the past and envision people's places in the future. The
4: book The Deep is a novella, and it is about a society that formed when, in the days of chattel slavery, ships, pregnant women who were being sold into slavery jumped overboard and their babies, instead of dying in their stomachs, transformed and created an underwater society. So that's the sort of different space that I'm talking about when I talk about sort of doing something special.
2: That's Brooke Williams. She works at Bookends and Beginnings in Evanston, and runs a sci-fi book club focused on books by authors of marginalized identities that feature underrepresented characters. The novella she just mentioned, The Deep, is by one of my new favorite authors, Rivers Solomon. I've been so excited to see recent works in science fiction and fantasy tackle themes like imperialism and racism, while also featuring more and more queer characters and
0: characters of color. Sci-fi classics are often dominated by white men, but as more speculative fiction writers from marginalized backgrounds gain recognition, the genre is grappling with a wider
4: range of topics. You hand me a book when I'm a, a young teenage girl and I'm like, this isn't for me. I'm also a queer woman and I wasn't seeing any of that representation at all. I went to college, and suddenly I had access to all of these things. I had Ursula K. Le Guin. I had Octavia Butler. Like, these were things that I found when I was in college, and I was like, oh, there's so much more here that I can find.
2: Brooke told us a lot of science fiction and fantasy takes colonization as a given. Now, she said she's seeing more works pushing back on that.
4: There's an Ursula K. Le Guin short story called The Ones Who Walk Away from Alma Loss. N.K. Jemison, who is a fantastic author, who I feel is the spiritual successor to Le Guin in a lot of ways, wrote a response story, The Ones Who Stay and Fight. And that conversation is sort of what I'm talking about when I talk about the diversification of science fiction and fantasy and being in conversation with the works that came before.
0: Like Brooke, Eli said he's seen shifts in recently published books. Now and in the
3: last five years, there's been an incredible push by publishers to create specific imprints dedicated to historically underrepresented voices in the world of literature and also more broadly in north america
2: eli said more people can now see themselves in their books something derek said was a priority for him
3: i think that
1: love of reading really inspired me wanting to do this work here um, but i think that has really also informed that the need to try to encourage people because i can see that the joy of reading the books when you can see yourselves
0: from the daily northwestern i'm aviva Betsky, and i'm lily Carey. Thanks for listening to another episode of Defining Safe. This episode was reported and produced by Aviva Bechke and myself. The audio editor of The Daily Northwestern is Will Clark. The digital managing editor is Jordan Manji, and the editor-in-chief is Isabel Saraf. Make sure to subscribe to The Daily Northwestern's podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud to hear more episodes like this.